following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Okay. Hmm. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Uh, today we're going to look at verses 12 through 16, uh, where Jesus cleanses a leper. And that's on page 861 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. Luke 5, chapter uh, uh, 12. Uh, let's pray. Um, Father, we ask that your spirit would speak to us now through your word. We thank you for preserving your word for us, uh, giving your word to instruct us, to sanctify us, and make us more like Jesus. Soften our hearts, Lord, to receive your message. Open our ears to hear your voice for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 5, 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Um, I need more grace today. Um, Leprosy is no joke. Uh, It is among the most horrible health conditions the world has ever known. Uh, And in Scripture, the term leprosy covers a range of diseases that affect the skin and the nerves uh, that were highly contagious and super gross. Um, 
but the physical pain of leprosy is only a small portion of the suffering of the individual with this affliction. Uh, to have leprosy meant that one was a leper. <laughs> I remember a skit from youth group where a guy's dressed in rags and says, I'm a leper, see, because I have leprosy. Uh, thank you for your gracious. Uh, yeah. The leprosy brought uh, a lot of social problems with it. You were an outcast from society um, as well as suffering horribly physically. Leviticus chapter 13 verses 45 and 46 uh, says after describing in detail what the leprous disease looks like with graphic descriptions of boils and, and sores and ugh. after all of this here is the rule for lepers Leviticus 13 I'm sure this is probably someone's life uh, verse here um, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out unclean Unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. To be a leper meant that you were not only physically ill, but you were an outcast, not able to live in your home with your family, uh, but alienated from the rest of society and separated into a colony of lepers who were all just as miserable as you. I think we got a small taste of that kind of social difficulty with the quarantines we endured over the last three years. Sick and separated and lonely and miserable. And they didn't have live streaming for church. The Old Testament records only two people ever being healed of leprosy. Naaman the Syrian, who Jesus referred to in the synagogue in Nazareth, which went over like a lead balloon for him, 
And Miriam, the sister of Moses, was also a leper at one time, but was healed. And even though there are only those two uh, examples, the Old Testament records guidelines for what to do when a person was healed from leprosy in Leviticus 14. Um, And I want to read that. I really do. I'm going to try, but uh, I'm sure you woke up this morning. Can't wait to read Leviticus. This is God's word, and I think we have to see through the layers to appreciate the symbolism here in this text. Um, Leviticus 14, the Lord, Yahweh, spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then, if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that, he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day, he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair And then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. I just wanted to pause here and say, I only just got a haircut. It wasn't for this. Uh, Right, no shaving the beard for me. And on the eighth day he shall take two male lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb a year old without blemish, and a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering along with the log of oil, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the place of the sanctuary. 
For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand and dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and sprinkle some oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And some of the oil that remains in his hand, the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot on top of the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterwards he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. But if he is poor and cannot afford so much, he shall take one male lamb for a guilt offering to be waived to make atonement for him, and a tenth of an ephah of fine flour with oil for a grain offering and a log of oil. Also two turtle doves or two pigeons, whichever he can afford. The one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. And on the eighth day he shall bring them for his cleansing to the priest, to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the guilt offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb of the guilt offering. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand and he shall sprinkle it with his right finger, some of the oil that is in his left hand, seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall put some of that oil that is in his hand on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot in the place where the blood of the guilt offering was put and the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord and he shall offer of the turtle doves or pigeons whichever he can afford one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering along with the grain offering And the priest shall make atonement before the Lord for him who is being cleansed. This is the law for him in in whom is a case of leprous disease who cannot afford the offerings for his cleansing. Amen. I think Leviticus gets a bad rap because what does that have to do with anything? But the truth of the matter is... There, there's a lot. Atonement is not a small thing. The way the Lord is to be worshipped is according to his design. The way we are to be forgiven of sin is according to God's design, not how we feel like it ought to be. And I'm a 
good person, so I don't deserve bad things. There is rich symbolism of the Messiah here at work. The uh, clean water, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, the oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, the blood shed for atonement. Animals had to die. Something had to die. Blood had to be shed for this person to be made clean. According to God's design, there's a lifetime of study of symbolism here. Um, It seems like a lot of rules for healing that is only recorded twice. And you get two versions of it, one for someone who can afford more and one for someone who could afford less. Here. In Luke 5, we have an account of a man who broke the rules and came to Jesus. He wasn't supposed to do that. Stay separate. Stay outside the camp. Don't come into contact with people. Cover your upper lip. I think that probably means the whole face, but... And yell, unclean, unclean, everywhere you go. Can you imagine the psychological toll that would take on a person? I think it's brave when people wear Yankees hats and stuff. (laughs) This is even a step beyond that. This man broke the rules, came in to where the people were, and bowed down before Jesus and saying, if you will, you can make me clean. John Calvin wrote, I am not even certain if we are at liberty to say, strictly speaking, that the leper offered a prayer. He only declares that he is so fully convinced of the power of Christ as to entertain no doubt that it is in his power to cure leprosy and then presents himself to be healed, but uncertain of the result because he did not yet know the will of Christ. Um, I think there's a lesson Uh, there to learn from this man about prayer, whether or not Calvin's willing to say it was a prayer or not. There's a lesson to be learned, at least about trust in Christ and submission to his will. When the man says, if you will, you can make me clean, uh, He's saying, if you're willing, if you wish, not if you're able, if you want, you can make me clean. You decide, but I'd really like to be cleansed. 
but I'm going to trust you. This man was convinced of Jesus' power to heal, but he didn't actually ask him to heal him. He simply confessed his power and submitted himself to his will. There's a lesson there for us. How often do we ask, God, do this, God, do this, God, fix this, God, heal this, God, take care of this. I think there's more power in saying, God, you have the power to do all things, correct all mistakes, right all wrongs, and if you want, you can. But I'm going to submit to you no matter what. I trust you. You do the plan. And I'll, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, uh, sometimes that's easy to say and nod your head and even give an amen should you be so inclined. But the reality is when the rubber meets the road, how often do we react that way? A terrible thing happened. Uh, a wonderful thing happened. Uh, how often do we say, the, the direction of my life is none of my business. Lord, my life is yours. That's what this man is doing. That's the example we have. Of course, the man didn't want leprosy. He wouldn't have come to Jesus otherwise. But he trusted in Christ's power and submitted to his will. I think we're often all about the power, no problem. He has the power to fix my problems. He has the power to forgive my sin and heal our land and all of, all of that. And if he would just do that without me having to submit to his will, that would be great. The other side of that coin is don't, uh, um, don't be fooled into thinking if I would just submit to God's will, then this is a uh, way to get him to do what I want. I, I submit, Lord, to your will. And so... Your turn. Come on now. I'll do good things so good things will happen to me, right? Strong theological principle there called karma, and it's baloney. It's not in the Bible. It's heresy. That's not how it works. We submit to God's will because the direction for our lives is none of our business. Well, for this man, fortunately, Jesus was willing and healed the man. But not just because he asked politely, not just because he felt compassion for the man, which I'm sure he did. But Jesus always operates with greater purposes than our limited vision can see. This man just wanted to go home. 
this man just wanted to go back to his family and friends and not have to cover his upper lip anymore and shout unclean, unclean. And did Jesus want that for him? Did Jesus want good things for him? Obviously, yes, because he healed him. But he's always at work doing more than we can see. His purpose was not just to give relief to this man, but to prove he is Messiah, to bring the Father glory. That is what Jesus is always at work doing. So if you want to pray a prayer that will get answered every time in the affirmative, pray that God would glorify himself in your situation in your difficulty, or in your success, that God would glorify himself. He will always answer, okay. Jesus sent this man to be a proof to the priests that Messiah had come to Israel. He told the man to be obedient to Leviticus 14. So when Jesus endorses Leviticus, we should pay attention. It's okay to read it and not just laugh about it. He said, go show yourself to the priest and make a thanks offering for your cleansing. Oh, and don't tell anybody else about this either, which, of course, the man ignored. Um, Jesus, who is the source of cleansing, touched this unclean man. That's not a small thing. When I first read this, I think if Sam and I are taking classes right now on uh, to be ski patrollers. And uh, it's a lot of medical stuff we don't know anything about at all, how to properly remove rubber gloves after use. And the principle is, what is it, Sam? Uh, clean to clean, dirty to dirty. Because if you touch clean with dirty, now clean is dirty. And all you have is dirty. It sound biblical. Right, you take your gloves off a certain way, so your clean hands never touch a dirty thing because clean hands that touch dirty things are now dirty hands. This is taking a lot of effort to say this dumb thing by touching the leprous, unclean person, is Jesus now unclean also? Well. My first thought was, yes, dirty to dirty, clean to clean. Jesus is the source of cleansing. There is no cleaner clean. So instead of touching dirty with clean uh, and becoming dirty, he touched dirty with clean and made clean because he is the source of cleansing. 
This man who had been separated and untouched by anyone for who knows how long. Luke, who wrote the gospel, who was a doctor, remember, said he was full of leprosy. This isn't a passing comment. It was all the way leprous, probably towards the end of the disease's course. He was probably going to die of this horrible disease alone. The prognosis was not good, and the disease had almost completely run its course in him. But Jesus. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I, I do will. I do wish I do want for you to be clean. This is, all of this is a very rich and very real symbol of sin and forgiveness. Leprosy has historically been used as a symbol for sin and our sinful condition. Like leprosy, it's deeper than the skin. And it defiles. And it corrupts. And it spoils all that it touches. It alienates people from those that they love. It separates us from our Heavenly Father. And in the end, it leads to death. Eternal separation from God. The advantage of the leper is that his disease cannot be hidden. It cannot be denied. He is aware of his desperate state, and so is everybody else. He has a wonderful advantage. Those of us who are still sick with the leprosy of sin pretend that because our disease is not visible, that it isn't real. But the one who has the power to make us clean has the power to see through our facade. Through the veil of our success and the veil of our socially acceptable state. He can see through to our need, our need for forgiveness. And he is waiting with outstretched hands for us to come to him and admit our need for forgiveness that we could be truly cleansed. Because when anyone with the disease of sin comes to Jesus and says, if you will, you can make me clean. 
The answer is always, I will. Be clean. And for those of us who have experienced his healing and forgiveness through faith in him should do no less than uh, he commanded to make the leper clean. He commanded him to be obedient to God's word. To be faithful to God's commands. But unlike the command he gave the leper to tell no one, he's commanded us to tell everyone what he has done for us. We have a story to tell to the nations. We were lost and now we are found. We were sick unto death and now we've been healed through faith in Christ alone. That's our story to tell. Amen? Good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us that offers us a way to be healed of our disease of sin. We thank you for the example of this man who came to Jesus in faith and submission to his will. I pray that we would do the same. To continuously come to Jesus in faith. To be healed of our sickness of sin. And to submit to your will. That your work would be done in us. Through us. To us. Father, we thank you that you made a way for us to be forgiven through Jesus' death on the cross. You willingly gave your life in our place so we could be forgiven of our sin. May we never neglect your grace and your command to tell the world about Jesus and his love. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. We pray you would be blessed by your church today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.